All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, is my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, as always, another week in the books. We're here to discuss our Week 14 recap. But given the new 17-game, 18-week NFL format, it means we are actually, at this point in time, heading into the fantasy football playoffs. So, listeners, you're playoffs. Gonna, playoffs. <laughs> You're going to want to pay extra attention to our final segment, how we end all of our shows, where Lou and I are going to actually dole out some fantasy advice on players you may need to consider for your playoff lineups. Weston, I also got to give you a quick heads up. Don't mean to interrupt, but I will be patting myself on the back on some of the uh, people I've told you about last week and the week prior is about who to pick up and what have you. So during that segment, uh, we will do a little uh, stroll down memory lane of what I said. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to to move through some of these segments a little quicker and leave some yep. extra time there. Um, but bad news for you is I control the mute and unmute button on your end. So if you get a little out of line, I'm definitely muting you. But that being said, I do want I'm going to need one of those buttons. For, hold on, I'm going to need one of those buttons for my home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't mute Grayson, dude. I've already tried on the children. They are unmutable. It doesn't matter. Um, they have these superpowers. I've tried it with Landon. Doesn't work. Um, but I do want to give proper congratulations to those who have secured playoff spots in their fantasy leagues. Maybe even potentially a first round buy, depending upon your your league formats. Lou, me personally, this is where I'm going to take my moment to pat myself on the back while I'm controlling the mic is I made the playoffs in three out of my four leagues. But the most disappointing is the league that you and I are in together, a joint league. This is awkward, people. This is very awkward, where the playoffs just continue to plague me. And you, specifically, were a hindrance this week. But I have to be honest with you. I'm very glad you beat me. And for those in our league who are listening to this, I am very disappointed in certain individuals that just decided to play people in their roster because they were already out of it that weren't even playing this week where I needed to beat you and needed some help. So if I had beat you and needed that help, I would have been really pissed off about it, really pissed off about it. I might have protested the league next year or demanded because I've done this before in other leagues where people get sloppy like that you're out like you're out like this is competitive like there's dollars on the line like you got to go yeah um sorry i didn't mean to do do you like that this past week uh weston um a little part of me feels a little sorry for you but hey uh i was i mean i was anytime i win in in this league that we were talking about right now is an utter shock to me because it is literally a group of ragtag players my my team is a joke i don't know how i made it uh, in fourth place in this league so far uh it's just it's just amazing ownership you know fancy ownership that's what it comes down to managing that team i made some good moves don't man. apologize <laughs> i know that wasn't a you did i know that wasn't a true apology and don't apologize because fantasy football is business right like i would never i would never apologize for for beating anybody i wouldn't even care if it was my own wife if i beat her in fantasy it is what it is right like that's just the way that it goes um 
But your team is coming back to life, dude. There, no, there's a little light at the end of the I even, tunnel. You'll I can say that when my best player, Derrick Henry, has, has been out. That's all right. <laughs> Listen, I, I made it to the playoffs in the league where I lost Derrick Henry as well. And my lineup doesn't look too dissimilar from yours in this particular league. Um, is what it is. But I regress. We will get into fantasy football in a short while. So let's get back to real football for a moment here. Mm-hmm. I am expecting that both of us will be joyous this evening as both of our teams won this past weekend. The Chargers got the expected victory over the G-Men that did what Mm -hmm. they were supposed to do, and we'll talk about that in a second. And the 49ers took home a much-needed victory over the Bengals on the road. But before we dive into our hometown takes, Lou, I thought the NFL had done a pretty good job in managing this COVID situation throughout 2021, right? What it co- didn't. What COVID situation? Yeah, what COVID situation? <laughs> there are now seven teams under extreme scrutiny related to COVID. I mean, you got the Washington football team who's got 18 players on their reserve COVID list. You got the Cleveland Browns with 14 players on the reserve COVID list. Atlanta Falcons are on this list. Other the Rams are on this list, right? Other teams are on this list, and now I'm legitimately concerned. Because a lot of these teams are in playoff pushes right now. And if this was last year and these numbers were happening, games would be canceled, right? And rescheduled. But now there's an 18-week format. Can't push the Super Bowl back any further than it already is. So what do you do? And I think the NFL's in real trouble. And let me just give you a scenario as to why. And this is a little off script. But let's say I'm the Philadelphia Eagles this week. And I have to play the Washington football team. Yes, I do think the Washington football team, if they have those many cases, like need to go ahead and field the team, however they need to do it. Bring on your practice squad, whatever it is, like that's your responsibility. But I also think there's some recklessness in these COVID protocols, right? That like you and I don't aren't privy to and don't understand. But if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, why the hell do I want to play, even play the Washington football team, right? Like, what, I'm in a playoff push, as is Washington. But let's say we go play that game. And then on Monday next week, I got nine people I'm putting on my COVID list. Tells me that I got it from their team breathing all over us while we're playing football. And now I'm in a serious scenario for the following week against a team while I'm making a playoff push, right? So, like, what does the NFL do? Because you're going to have teams that are going to say, I can't play because I can't even feel the team. Then you're going to have other teams that say, I don't want to play because this is going to hinder me and and my team has been good for the most part and don't want this to actually affect us moving forward. So what does the NFL do? Can't reschedule these games. Can't at this point in time. Why can't can't you wait a couple of days? Can't. Can't. It it is last year. Can't right now. This is an 18-week schedule. Like, look at the 49ers, right? 49ers play Atlanta. Atlanta is on that intense watch list right now then i think what you need to do is kind of 49ers like, play on a short week they play thursday next week against yeah. an afc an afc leading team like if i'm these coaches if i'm these general managers i'm i'm raising red flags about this and being like oh, if they're if they're voiding protocols i need i need to know exactly what's going on before i put my team out there or the nfl like you need to step in and do something about this because you can't I, – I, again, I can't stress to you enough how impossible it's going to be with an 18-week schedule to reschedule games. You can't. 
Now you're going to ask people to play on short notice and you're penalizing a team versus for another team's actions. Like the Rams are the prime example, dude. Monday, what'd they put? Eight more people on, or Tuesday, what'd they put? Eight more people on the COVID list? They played Monday night. You're going to tell me those people weren't playing with COVID? You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't just wake up that morning like, oh, it's here. Like we know a little bit about this infection, excuse me, this, this virus and that it takes some time to build up in your system. Like that concerns me and should concern all of these teams that are in the home stretch that have something to play for. Uh, they're talking about as of like this minute, they're literally talking about doing different type of protocols, enhanced protocols. Maybe you start seeing, you stop seeing, you know, practice, maybe start seeing more virtual practices, things of that nature. Maybe you only can get together once a week, uh, you know, in, in the facilities. Um, I don't know. Maybe, you know, they adopt, you know, what Major League Baseball did. Like, okay, you cancel games. You go by winning percentage. Uh, it's not fair. Uh, but, you know, this is not a fair time. If we're really, this is the biggest thing we're complaining about right now in society, then, you know, so be it. I mean, so maybe they do something like that. What would it get them to cancel a game? Because right now they're all like, you know, you know, spearhead. Uh, would it take like some big heavy players like Tom Brady, stuff like that? like to get them to cancel games, like some of like these big quarterbacks. So now you're affecting the integrity of the game. And what I mean by that is like the, the, the watch, like the, like the, the viewership, like of the game and the, the product itself, when you pretty much start getting like, well, let's say some of the top quarterbacks start getting rot. Like what would it take for them to can you know, maybe to cancel or like omit a week, you know, for all teams and try to get like this thing under control. I think it's, Outside of the top players, I think it's going to literally take a team that can say, I can't field a 46-man roster, right? Because I know they have created extra space on the practice squads. But like, let's say you're the Washington football team. What With the practice squad right now, you have a 53-man roster. You used to have 10 people on the practice squad. I think you can have like 13 or 14 now. So 63, let's just call it plus 4, 67. You have 18 you're down to what, what is that 49 right like so yes you can field a roster but like let's say there's two or three more right like and you can't field a 46 man roster you're at an extreme disadvantage let's not talk about like what the different positions would look like from a depleted perspective i'm just saying we're at the point now where this is like it hasn't been this level of concern all year all year but right now it's a it's it's a fucking concern dude like it's a huge concern so two things uh if you want to look at who who has the advantage right now who has the advantage are the teams who have the highest vaccination rates and also the teams that got to hot starts in the beginning of the year guess what i'm talking about your your packers your talk, yeah. your cardinals cuz guess what they're making the playoffs if if you're uh, you know fighting or vying for like one like the last playoff hunt uh spots you're kind of SOL because you not only have to win your games, pray for help that other teams don't win their games, but also Dodge's third bullet too. And yeah. last thing I want to say, Weston, is why the hell are you bringing down our vibe when both of our teams won this past week? All right, you're right, you're right, dude, you're right. I'm fucking Debbie Downer, bro. I know, dude. I, that's, I, it's my middle name. I apologize. You can ruin, you can ruin a wet dream. <laughs> 
Although I should be all more fired up because I told you that like my family and I went to this this farm this weekend and I bumped into a dude who was a 49ers fan was like all decked out in 49ers gear and he and I were just vibing right like entire time walk back to get, the cars hey ride over no I number? didn't get his number I didn't get his Aww. number I did I'm I'm a little too old for that I didn't want that to be uh, too creepy but uh, I hope he's li- hey I hope he's listening right now maybe you I, know uh... maybe you never know right like I almost thought about putting like one of those announcements on social media it's like hey I was at this place can everybody spread this to see if I've met this guy who's following in some community because uh chances are uh he probably is so I agree with you Lou let's get out of this yeah, um, just just things to to look at right and things that are going to affect when we get into our pickums dude I'm going to talk about this right when we get into yeah. fantasy football I'm going to talk about this but Let's have some fun. Let's get into our, our hometown takes. As I mentioned, your Chargers had the G-Men this weekend. My 49ers had the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I'm, as I always do, I'll leave with you. Tell me what you saw. I'll tell you what I saw, and let's run from there. Yeah, uh, I'm actually not going to take too much time to talk about this game uh, from the mere fact that it was boring, and I mean that in the best way possible. When your team wins and the game is boring – it's like such a relief. It's, it's just a great feeling. So for the good, it just was a sound, efficient football uh, from the L.A. Chargers for all four quarters, which you probably couldn't have said that in any game that they played this year. There's no sense of, oh, no, here it comes. This is when they're going to start chargering type stuff there. So uh, I was extremely content when I was watching the game. Never did I thought I was going to get out of hand. I always had this feeling of, okay, this game is going to script. The Chargers are just better coached. They're better players. They're better New team. York. Yeah, they're just a better yeah. team, and they just literally took business. I'll go over a couple a couple of things uh, that I want to highlight. First and foremost, the running game. They had it wasn't the production I'm going to highlight here. It was just the the sheer amount of attempts and why I think it was important that they need to start trying to get type uh, trying to get back to this type of football. They had 37 rushes for 4.1 yards uh, per carry. Their previous high throughout the year was 34, but normally they average about 20 to 25 rushes a game. That's simply not enough. Uh, I'm not trying to say take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hand, but weeks prior there's been rumblings on social media that the Chargers are not pushing the ball down the field and what have you. That's a very conservative offense, a lot of short passes. I kind of think they need this rushing attack to bring up the safety so they can push down the ball, the, uh, the ball down the field. So I, this is what the Kansas city chiefs have been in, in, uh, able to do. They can't establish a run. So there's no one coming up. There's not a seventh or, you know, a guy in the box to provide extra support and they everyone's falling back. So I, that's why I kind of think the chargers need to, be more physical and establish the run better. And they did it with all hands on board, by the way, about this rushing attack. Eckler had 12 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jackson, nine carries, 35 yards. Joshua Kelly, 10 carries, 33 yards. Nothing eye-opening here. It's just, it was just, like I said, to keep the defense honest. And this was a huge proponent, I think, why they're starting to get better when it comes to pushing the ball down the field. It's a winning formula. And like I said, I've been rooting and like, you know, clamoring over how great this Bengals all the Bengals offense has been because it's multidimensional. I think they have to kind of take something in, in in that line where they would be a multidimensional offense to get the safeties to cheat up. Uh, so <clears throat> that being said, because what's the old adage, Wesson? 
what they say about what travels best in cold weather in the playoffs, a running, running game and a and defense. defense. Yep. Right. It's, it's corny as hell, but guess what? It really does. Uh, so if the Chargers are fortunate enough to make the playoffs, they're going to need to show teams that they can, because they don't have the defense right now. They're getting better, but uh, they need to, you know, start getting this rushing attack all hands on deck and getting other contributors outside Eckler. Um, <clears throat> you know, that being said, other, we talked about Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson. Those weren't the usual suspects. Uh, they had to rely on other people because of Keenan Allen being out and what have you. But other guys stepped up too. Jalen Guyton had three catches, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Palmer, uh, who was my fantasy football, by the way, uh, pick last week, uh, saying if Keenan Allen was out, Palmer would be the guy that would take over the Keenan, uh, Keenan Allen position. He had five receptions, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Joe Gaziano, uh, defensive tackle, had four tackles and a tackle for a loss. Nick Neiman, rookie, uh, middle linebacker, he had a late game interception. These are names you're not recognizing because guess what? They're they're just supplemental players. They're not your starters, but they started to show up uh, this past weekend. And Justin Jones, Justin Jones is an interesting uh, character because when he's on the field, this defense is so much better. There's so much more stout against the run. Uh, they pro- he provides a little more juice in the pass rush. But he had five tackles, a tackle for a loss, a sack, and a fumble recovery. It's interesting what he brings to this defense, just a little more physicality, uh, something they really don't have when it comes to the L.A. Chargers defense. So that's on the good side. That's pretty much it. It's just a you know regular, regular boring game that the Chargers always had in hand. All right. Give me your bad then. Because bad. I have a I have a handful of things I'm say, but I'm I'm just I just want you to okay. keep going. Bad. Um, I mean I'm like nitpicking here, Weston, because I watched the game twice. Penalties, I guess. Uh, they had six penalties, but it was for 39 yards, so it wasn't a tremendous amount of uh, yards there. And uh, perhaps for me, the worst of this past weekend was the jersey combination they rolled out with. Hate I'm mean, hate the I don't hate the Royal Blues, but of all the all the jerseys are fantastic. Of all their jerseys, this is probably uh, my least favorite. So the royal ro- rolling out the royal blues was uh, part of my bad segment here. Dude, there's nothing better than those powder blues. I don't like. You got to wear those I even every like the, opportunity. I, yeah, I even yeah. like the navy too. The navy, like the navy on navy uh, pants. I like that. They do. They do have clean colors. It is what it is, and that that is definitely nitpicking, right? When you're talking about jersey <laughs> pant combination I mean, in the of- game. But you're you're spot on, right? Like my first comment here is really hard to judge a team in any in any fashion based on winning a game they should have won in the fashion that they should have won it. You know, um, lesser competition. Um, they're just a better football team. They're they're more soundly coached. They have more talent. It it just is what it is. Now, if this Cause, was a cause loss, Wes, oh, real quick, Weston, how many times have we seen throughout, especially in the AFC, how? An AFC superpower have lost to inferior teams. Oh, the yeah. Bills to the Jaguars. Uh, there's so many. I can't think of it might be more off the top of my head, but oh, the Titans, the Jets, and, to the and, Jets. And, and the Texans. And the Texans. Yeah. It's, yeah. So, but that's the NFL, right? Like any given Sunday, it's there's a reason none why of these that games are getting. Yeah. No, no. There's listen, both teams get paid to play, both teams operate within the same salary cap. Both teams lace it up, right? That's yeah. that's why they play the game, and it's not a Madden simulation. If this game was a loss, 
we'd be singing an entirely different tune, right? I, oh. I think that's the first <laughs> yeah. thing that we could say. But just everything went the way it was supposed to for the Bolts. Um, good team went in and beat a bad team. Can we talk about some things that I saw. Go ahead. What have I been saying about your quarterback since since See, you I and I started this thing? What have I been I, saying about your quarterback? I didn't want to bring him in because I feel like I'm whenever they in. whenever they win, it's it's always about him. So I wanted it's, to it's, shine the light on other people because yeah, you're right. He does carry the team. A second year quarterback who's learning a new offense for the second year in a row is carrying a team. So when he goes, they go. And yes, I get it. But man, he made some great great throws. Yeah, so I'm not even sitting here and actually trying to say that, like, they won this game because of Justin Herbert, right? Like, they won this game because they were a better team and they played sound football in all facets of the game. But I am going to pound the table for Herbert because this man made some big boy throws, dude. That one to Guyton. The 66-yard air yard. Oh, my God. When he got hit. Dude, dude, there's there's a photo of superimposed. That like the middle finger, I want to say, is it Ojolari? It was uh, Ojolari. I think that was getting to him. It was like it, he might have been like almost touching the football or barely touching the football. Uh, I just and he beat. And you look at the there's some they were compared to some throws like Josh Allen, Matthew, uh, Matthew Stafford, whatever, and also uh, Patrick Mahomes. They had giddy up in their throw. I mean, like they 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 stepped up and like launched it. There was no nope. giddy up in his throw. He nope. sprinted to the right. And literally just, yeah. So Bro, I would his, love back his arm talent is ridiculous. West, ridiculous. Do you remember back in the day, the all pro like uh the pro yeah. bowl they had had like the quarterback skills competitions? Oh yeah. I would dude. Put Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, Rogers, and Stafford. I want to know who throws the ball the furthest. After what I just saw in that game with everything you just described, right? No, I still no, think it's Allen. I still think it's Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen has a cannon, dude. You saw the way he was winging that ball that's, in like 15-mile-an-hour wins. Like, that's that's the different skill set. But Herbert would be right there. I mean, dude, like you said, no crow hop. Just sprint out to the right, planted his foot, man in his face, and just aired that hoe out. And it was a dime right like it wasn't necessarily just like hey i got this guy standing all alone who's just waiting for the no, ball with like, the safeties yeah <laughs> and hit him in stride and that thing was ridiculous what's so, crazy too they were talking about the analysts uh of analyzing that play giants did nothing wrong on defense no uh, the it's just that the safeties weren't expecting a 66 year 66 yard ball in the air that wasn't a hail mary at the end of a half or a game like exactly that's that's exactly what it was like when he released it Guyton was at the 30 so like they weren't expecting it to wow. get to the 2 like when he caught but that, it so that brings me to my second point right um the biggest positive for me in this was seeing the ball without Keenan Hound in the game at least in the air being equally distributed, right? You mentioned Guyton three catches, Palmer five catches, Williams with six catches, right? So to me, what that that's important because it was Herbert trusting the offense, trusting the play call, putting the ball where it needed to be on a design play, right? Not like got to force feed my superstar, got to force feed my superstar. Is it, it was force just, feeding a superstar or is it more like more out of comfort? Like, I, you know, I, I think every once in a while, I, I, when I say force feed a superstar, I don't mean that like the superstars on the sideline, Keenan Allen being like, give me the rock, give me the rock, right? Because a good, competent quarterback is going to be like, dude, get open. 
and I'll get you the rock. Right. Like, and I think Justin Herbert is that a good, competent quarterback. Right. So I, but in a game without your superstar, really easy to be dependent upon Mike Williams, the entire game. Right. Or, or something. Yeah. And just force feed that rock. So to me, this bodes really, really well. You talk about his second NFL offense, his whatever third or fourth or fifth offense in a row that he's had to learn year over year stemming from college but at the right time the right moment trusting it trusting the play call trusting your reads putting the ball where it's supposed to be and that was part of that guy in throw right like yeah he bought time he got outside but the read was this dude's at the 30 yard line right now i'm just gonna air this out and i know and trust that my guy's gonna get underneath it like those that is going to bode so well for this offense. Trust me. Just trust me on that, right? Like that is just confidence breeding for Justin Herbert. Um, and this at the right time of the season. The only other thing that I would say about this game, dude, is like 271 passing yards, 152 rushing yards, 7 of 13 on third downs, 34 minutes time of possession. Those things usually mean victory. And that's yeah. exactly what it was. Just like a I said- sound, clean win. You said that in a boring fashion because yep. that's what it was. It was just a whole hum coming in. It's like a nine to five. You punch in, do your job, punch out, leave. My concern is yes, the running game was well distributed, but I also think it had a lot to do with game flow, leads, and like forcing it. I do think there needs to be more of a threat to run consistently from this team because like you said you just saw what this man's arm talent is right you suck an eighth man into that box he's throwing darts all over the field darts yeah, all over if, the field. Yeah. i'm gonna talk about it in a minute and you shared with me some content earlier on some strategies to take away from big arm talented quarterbacks and remove that deep threat and do those things like defense coordinators get paid too man they know what they're doing they're not dumb individuals and they can do it with whatever body they put out there it's scheme and I'm going to talk about that in a second when I talk about the 49ers. So I do think there needs to be more of an established threat of the run and more intentional. Like the good passing teams do this all the time, right? They're just going to say, like, I don't care if I'm averaging two and a half yards of carry. I need you to believe that I'm first and second down. I'm going to run the ball because at some point in the third quarter, I'm not going to run the ball on first and second down. But I've been doing that for two and a half quarters. So I sucked your eighth man in on that first down play and boom, 65 yards to the house, right? Like there just needs to be more of a threat. It's just um, maybe this is more ego or maybe this is more philosophy, but like don't know how they're going to continue doing this. Uh, Cause I feel like it's a, it's an interesting balancing act, like a, like a seesaw. How can we, if we're going to run the ball, it means we're taking, you know, and we're not going to be as effective running the ball as we are as Justin Herbert going to be throwing the ball. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, are we, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Just trying to see, like, all right, if we're going to take the ball of Justin Herbert's hand, then how's that going to impact the offense? It's a, it's a it's a seesaw battle that they need to figure it out. But I liked watching what I did in a number of runs that you know. Some some when you go into offensive game, uh, when you go into a game, uh, offensive coordinators and coaches basically say there's some coaches that say, listen, get me, you got to get me to 35 runs this game. I don't care yeah. when they happen, and they chart them right. No, so yeah. I think there has to be some mentality, uh, you know, to that. You got it. You know, every week you got to get me to this X number of rushes. I don't care what the outcome is, but we need that 
so we can set up the long game. It's the th- it's the threat of the run, right? Like Kyle Shanahan, Bill Belichick, uh, Sean McVay, like some of these guys. I mean, uh, why am I drawing a blank on uh, my guy Lafleur? Like these guys, like the run sets up what they do, right? Like, and it's not necessarily just the deep ball. It's the play action pass, Mm -hmm. dude. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Where you suck in a linebacker who's used to flying the ball, flying to the ball and your drag route underneath your tight end off a chip block. Like all of a sudden these guys are wide open. They got nothing but green in front of them to run for 25, 30, 40 yard gains. Like chunk plays. We talked about that chunk plays, right? So you have to get defenses to respect your running game. Otherwise, they just sit in a shell. They sit in nickel all day long. They sit in dime all day long. And they can take that pass away from you real fast. A heavy run football team is the hardest to defend because you know what they're going to do, but they're still going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I I would argue that the only reason why you would put Ryan Tannehill in your top 10 quarterbacks going into the season is because they had the best running game in football. Right, like if they didn't have that running game, is anybody talking about Ryan Tannehill right now? Like it's just different. He's still leading, yeah. I mean, look what he's doing. Though. He's leading that team to, yeah. But like the dude, the last two weeks, I mean, they're still putting up almost two hundred yards rushing between who they got in the backfield, right? So like again, it goes back to everything they do is predicated on the yeah. running game, you know, and that, yeah. that that's important. All right, you're all good. Right. I'm 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 more than good. All right, I know I know you're all smiles, dude. Those those relaxing <laughs> wins are the best wins, bro. They really exactly. are. I don't know what that's like. Even in the 2019 push for the 49ers, they used to call them the cardiac kids because every game went down to the goddamn wire. Like, look at that that week 17 game against. Literally, you're talking about centimeters that determined we were the one seed versus the five seed. Mm-hmm. Like things that just happened. But your game started off relaxing, <laughs> but it didn't. And let me tell you why. Right, like it did, like on the scoreboard, but as like. You know, I, I I definitely coined myself as an educated fan. That's like watching my team. I'm not naive that like sometimes the other team's just not on their game and things don't swing right. You know, and and I'll, let me talk about it. So after last week's loss to the Seahawks, the 49ers definitely needed this win. Uh, Washington lost. This win slides us back into the sixth seed. We hold tiebreakers over the Vikings and the Eagles right now. We huge, get a chance to play huge. the Falcons. Everything's huge, right? Um, just a big W, but I'm going to start with the bad. What we were just talking about. So based on the events in this game, this win should have been much easier than it actually was. I mean, you had, dude, you had Cincy muff two punts, giving us favorable field position. And both those amounted to 10 points, right? You want to get points off of turnovers, but should have been 14 points, one extra score, one extra field goal puts this game out of reach to begin with, right? So you're not worrying about this, like, down the stretch. Dude, it was 20-6 to with, like, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter of this game, and it still went into overtime. It was 17-6 at halftime, and we had no offensive production. Like, none. Like, literally none. Like, 10 of those 17 points were off of muff punts, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. is what I'm talking about. Like, it just – we weren't moving the ball. The offense did literally nothing – until the final drive in regulation and the first drive in in overtime. Like mm-hmm. I just mentioned, one additional score would have put this game out of reach. I would do we were five of 15 on third downs. That's 30, you know, 33% is not a winning recipe. We gave up five sacks, but I do put some of those sacks on my 
constant criticism of Jimmy. He just struggles to get out of the pocket. I know that's not his game, right? Like he's not, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's certainly not Josh Allen, but he's not even like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, who are just elusive individuals. He struggles to step up in the pocket. He tends to hold the ball too long because he doesn't want to make that errant throw in a bad spot. Like he tries to be more of a, a game manager. And that that showed itself in this game, definitely through the first three quarters. If I'm talking about more negative, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be Jason Aponte here and tack the kickers and say they're not people too at this point. <laughs> you have a kicker, Robbie Gold, who literally held out, got paid a ridiculous amount of money for a kicker, and he missed the game-winning field goal. I'm not gonna call it a chip shot. I'm not gonna call it a chip shot, but I'm gonna call that a very makeable have to make field goal to win the game in regulation, right? So those are, those were the negatives that stuck out to me throughout this game. I want to I want to get back to your Jimmy G. I, I know every week it's been it's pretty much been almost like the Jimmy G. Show. Uh, us talking about him. He is the most maddening and frustrating. Oh my god, dude! Quarterback, I think to possibly watch because. There's times where he's like, okay, captain check down. Or when he tries to push the ball down the field, you're like, what is he throwing to? Who is he throwing to? Or other times where he's just throwing it ridiculously high, thinking he has Kevin Durant, you know, you know, as a wide receiver. Hospital balls every day. All day. And that and then I was completely flabbergasted. Like he just turned it on in overtime. And it was like the cleanest drive, most efficient drive, great throws. I I, I he's the most manning quarterback to you know to probably to watch on a day on a weekend and weekend basis i do feel for you it, it is frustrating and i'm gonna i'm gonna give him some praise here in a minute right <laughs> yeah, because like it wasn't all horror you know but he played two, but, and a, two and a half good quarters but this is this to your point right like there are moments where you're like bro you can do this like you can do everything that the naysayers say you can't do you do them consistently is what it really boils down to. I have one final point on my bad section that I'm getting into my good. These are two things that piss me off more than you can ever imagine. And it actually has nothing to do with the teams playing. It has everything to do. No, it has. Yeah. It has everything to do with the, with the broadcasters. CBS showed a graphic of Zach Taylor being, I don't know, something like Owen 23, when trailing going into the fourth quarter and that superstitious on me right now, no dude. And then Robbie gold being 21 of 21 on field goals to tie or win games at the end of regulation. These things are legitimately the ultimate jinxes, dude. They like, Oh, stop, stop talking. Go get your tinfoil hat and put it on. Now finish the second. Bro. Bro, I am a conspiracy theorist to the day that I die. The world is is all gloom and doom, but it's just annoying, right? Like, and I understand you got to fill the air and you got to find these stats and like, you know, like this part of these people's jobs too. But come on, you can't sit there and, t- bro, Thursday night, you have the Kansas City Chiefs who are balling right now, right? Let's say it gets down to it and you guys are up two points. And Harrison Bucker is about to kick a 50-yard field goal, 50-plus-yard field goal. And they flash that statistic of, like, Harrison Bucker or is 30 of 30 and blah, 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 blah. Bro, you're feeling like he's going to miss that kick, right? Like, 
They do yeah, it. Not, they I'm do it to the front. best. I'm not gonna front. <laughs> they do it to the best of the best. And bro. then you know, you know Justin Tucker. They, when they do the Justin Tucker, he says "f you." No, but he this year he's missing things, right? They're like he's like ninety of ninety on extra points, and he's missed like three extra points this year. It's like, it's 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 just maddening to me because it's just like the ultimate. Now Zach Taylor is zero and twenty four, right? Because they technically did lose that game in those scenarios. But Robbie Gold's now twenty one and twenty two. Right. It's just like those things that it's just it's it's it, it's like as a fan, I just like we're all superstitious, dude. All fans are superstitious. What jersey did I wear? What socks did I wear? What was my routine that day? We're all that. And then you do everything within your control. And, and then the fucking broadcasters throw something up like that. And you're like, God damn it. It was all for nothing. It was all for nothing. I should have never have done any mm-hmm. of this um, is what it is. All right. Let's get into the good. So win against a potential playoff team on the road who just came off a d- disappointing loss to your team. You thought Huge they'd be win. a little bit. Huge big win. win. Huge win. No matter how you cut it, right? Like, not. I'm not trying to be negative. Um, this win was more difficult than it need to be. Maybe not even deserving of the win, but the win is the win, right? Like, it is what it is, and they did what they were supposed to do. Biggest standout to me, defense. Total defense. They forced those two special team turnovers. Dude, they held Cincy to 86 total yards rushing, 3.3 yards per carry, and specifically Joe Mixon to 18 carries for 58 yards and no touchdowns after he scored a touchdown in nine straight games. Yeah, That's a win. The other thing, 4-13 on third downs. They had five sacks. They held Cincy to being one of five in the red zone in terms of scoring possessions. Like, these are huge. But here's what won't actually show up on the stat sheet that excites me the most. The Bengals offense was legitimately non-existent for three and a half quarters. And they and the 49ers were able to do this with zero cornerback depth. When you look at the roster of the Cincinnati, I'm going to ask you a question. When you look at the roster of the Cincinnati Bengals, what do you what does it feel like their strength is? Their skill positions. They're they're out the boundary receivers. Yep. Both receivers, Boyd too. Yep. They were non-existent, dude, for three and a half quarters. Like non-existent. Like we and what's even crazier about this is D'Amico Rhines just had this team sit back with two deep safeties. The deep safeties hovered the boundaries to keep those deep threats away. Again, dude, we have no cornerback depth right now. Like none. Like Verrett gone week one. Our best next best quarterback, Emmanuel Mosley. Dude, even the, the longest tenured 49er who seems to just continuously come back, Dante Johnson. I'm very sorry to like say this. Um, you know, his mother had passed away the, the morning of the game from a heart attack, but they found out the night before that she had suffered the heart attack, was in the hospital. Um, so unfortunately, he wasn't able to play. So you got Josh Norman out there. That only thing that he does well is force fumbles, does nothing else well for this team. And a rookie, Ambry Thomas, Ambry Thomas, who's a press man corner who we got playing off. I, for life of me, I don't know why this wasn't Demo Lamore in the first uh, Lenore in the first place. But in any case, like nobody out there. But you got Tart and Ward just covering the boundary, hovering the field, and D'Amico Ryan schemed that up and did great. But unfortunately, there were times where, like in certain situations, you had to man up. You had to do certain things. You left a cornerback out there, and they were able to capitalize on that. The one Jamar Chase touchdown, like busted play, Burrow buys time. He gets open against a, a rookie safety. Like it is what it is. The other one was just a flat out dynamite right uh, route against a, a rookie QB. But I'm going to praise the defense because 
the offense did nothing for and honestly for three three and a half quarters themselves as well. The reason this in this game, if I'm gonna call out names, I'm going with Bosa. Played like a man on fire. Bro, he was everywhere. He had a two more sacks to his total. He should have had three. One was wiped out by like the most ridiculous hands to the face penalty I've ever seen on a corner, like within like the three yards from the line of scrimmage. Like you never see this called. Um, but crazy. But Bosa's now tied for third in the league in sacks and first in the NFL in tackles for a loss coming off that that tour ACL. Um, but he just felt like he was playing with urgency. Like mm-hmm. we like it almost was like while I'm saying the defense played really well collectively, it felt like he was the only one that was like, nah, guys, like we have to win this game to stay alive and to be relevant. And he was playing that way. Um, loved what I saw um, from the F, um, from that effort. So I'll, I'll regress on defense. Let me get to offense. Welcome back. Oh, real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, 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 go. Let's stay on the defensive side ball. Because we talked about last week Herbert versus Burrow, and everyone was you know uh, you know saying Burrow. What was your feedback? You know, as if, when you're watching the ball from a defensive mind, try, what was your feedback from Burrow? Uh, good, bad, ugly. What was your thought process when watching him? Did you get nervous when you know when like oh here he comes or just yeah, let me get some uh, feedback from there? Yeah, yeah. So I d- admittedly got nervous when it felt like he was catching rhythm, right? Like a, a good, competent quarterback catching rhythm is a really scary proposition in the NFL, right? Like it's momentum. It just it's the big M. Like it, it just carries you. What I could say watching him through the first three and a half quarters is I sensed a lot of hesitancy, um, reluctancy to maybe pull the trigger on a, on a couple balls that I feel like other quarterbacks in the NFL would just let it rip and take their chances and let wide receivers make some plays. So it felt like in the first few quarters, he was waiting for like the perfect opportunity and wasn't going out there to make opportunity. So that was, you know, if I was watching from an outside perspective, I would say it would be a little off putting in comparison to his draft class or to other younger quarterbacks in the league. But when you're watching this dude when he's on his game, I mean he's a he's a player, dude. He's a player. Like he like you can't take that away from him. That spiral is tight. That ball is a dime. Um, great placement. Great those, placement. Those are great. Super <laughs> accurate. Super accurate. Fantastic anticipation. Yeah, like he's a good quarterback. Like he's a really really good quarterback. Um, he doesn't have the arm strength as some of the other top tier quarterbacks in the NFL is what my eyes tell me, but he can make every NFL throw and it's not like difficult for him, but like, I don't see him doing what Herbert did and, and putting 66 air yards underneath on a dime, like that that's not his specialty. I think he's most effective 15 to 25 yards down the field, good trajectory, good velocity, tight spiral, right location, whereas only his receiver can make the ball. So I did walk away from that game impressed with him as a talent um but for whatever reason whether it was his injured pinky going into the game maybe it was the offensive scheme early to me i just sensed a lot of hesitancy from him and you know what i'm thankful right because he waited three and a half quarters to get into his stride and ultimately could have cost them the game Mm -hmm. that's that's my my two cents but when push comes to shove He's a good quarterback, and he's yeah. going to be a good quarterback in this league for a long time, so long as he can stay healthy. But if you're 
since you ref, I, I am still saying right now where they are in their careers, Justin Herbert is the quarterback that I would take. Okay. Um, so get into the, yeah, get, get into your offense now. All right. Um, get into my offense. Um, welcome back, Mr. George Kittle. <laughs> just yeah. two weeks in a row, dude, of just straight baller performance. And I think this one was even better than last week against Seattle. Seattle was more statistically sexy. This week had some tough, gritty catches what you're used to seeing from number 85 and the one that stands out the most was that catch that put him in position with less than 20 seconds to win the game on that fourth quarter field goal that Robbie Gold missed I mean bro like what tight end in the league actually makes that catch just tell me like I'll sit here and listen Travis Kelsey doesn't make that catch he doesn't do those things also bad defense from the Bengals not once they feel like they bracketed or doubled him or anything they didn't like what were they thinking like I have no idea I have no idea, man. I have no the idea. Whole game, like, the whole game, literally, just let him run through. Like, he's being a problem for you. You think after seven or eight catches, like, okay, we probably have to bracket him. I, I don't understand. I don't understand that mentality. Maybe it's just the threat of Debo running out there, right? Like, you yeah, know what? Debo this wasn't is... killing you as a receiver, though. No, but this is the other the criticism. You know what? This is what I'm going to go back to one bad thing here. Okay. Is Debo like? Did we forget that Debo is a wide receiver? And that yeah, what's he was, going on with that? Yeah, I don't understand this. Too much in the running game right now for me, or not a. You know what? Not too much in the running game. Not enough in the passing game. Like he plays, like, dude. You get him 10, 15 yards in the field, and he catches the ball in space. Who's tackling him? Yeah. Who's bringing him down? He's going to outrun people. Like too much is predicated on blocking schematics and making sure everything works and he's going to the house and like look you know six rushing touchdowns more than like any other wide receiver like whatever but like this man needs to get six or seven targets in the passing game at bare minimum but here's what i will say and this is another thing about jimmy forever all the good stuff that jimmy did you still i still when i go back and watch the film multiple times we talked about how people like Shanahan McVeigh, they draw up the home run every time, right? Like they draw up a home run every time. You still have Debo running over the middle of the field, open, 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 but it's still a check down, right? Like it's still to somebody. So let me get off this because we're spending way too much time in mm-hmm. our teams. Um, and this is where I talk about like, you know, Debo's just continue to audition for like RB1 and finds the end zone again. Like he probably wouldn't even be surprised if he's our starting running back next year alongside Elijah Mitchell and doesn't even play wide receiver. Um, anymore. Ayuk had a great game, ton of targets. He's trending up and to the right. That play at the end of the game, that wasn't even de- like Shanahan even admitted that wasn't even designed to score a touchdown, right? Like that was designed to get them inside the five yard line and try to pound the ball in from there to win the game. Um, and he just made a, a pretty spectacular play. Like this is what I love about the Debo Ayuk Kittle combination is they're all special and elite when the ball's in their hands. They make mm-hmm. different things happen when they're running down the field. Um, as much criticism as I lay on Jimmy and I lay it on heavy, I'm the first to admit it, but I still root for number 10. He's my quarterback. Like, I don't want him to suck. I want him to do well because I want to win football games. Bro, he was money on the final two possessions. Money. He lights yeah. out on the final two possessions. I wish That's played- when I was watching. Like, where was this, Yeah, you know, earlier? I wish he played every game this way, the entire game, quarters one through four. 
because it was crazy. Made throws outside the numbers, a big one to Jawan Jennings, where he's just normally efficient in between the, the hashes or in between the numbers. Like it just didn't I felt make the tempo, sense. I felt like the tempo was different too in overtime. I felt like it was a quicker pace tempo too. I'm not sure yeah. if that would be something that would help him now try to get more into rhythm. But uh, yeah, it just was, he was a different quarterback in overtime. It, it, totally. Like, nails money yeah. whatever yeah. term it is you want to use like he he was it so i'll just yeah. i'll end with this four games left in the season i think we need to go three and one to control our playoff hopes i got uh, a question but, for you yeah real quick i'm a san francisco 49ers fan after this past weekend i feel blank what do you feel i feel we can tr- we have the opportunity to control our own destiny and i feel good about it okay very long-winded answer <laughs> as you'll always get from me but that's it right like yep. you, but you know what they can't do lose they can't go lay a dud at home against atlanta right now can't do yeah, that no. gotta win that game gotta win that football game yeah, yeah all right so let's move on um let's get into our our freaking out scenario because clearly we're both freaking out about w's i'm probably even a little bit more excited than you are just because yours wasn't as like mind-blowing of a game in the sense of just giving me seven cardiac arrests in the middle of it. So give me a team or a fan base or whatever it is that is freaking out right now. I'm going to start off with a positive. How about them Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys. We mentioned last show that this is a huge stress stretch for the Dallas Cowboys and they've been mediocre late. They've been going, they went three and three in the last six games prior to uh, Sunday's matchup with the Washington football team. Now here comes Washington this past Sunday. Winners are four in a row, and the Cowboys, the Cowboys straight up manhandled them. They really did. And what I think is more impressive, the way they won, is that it, their offense was faltering. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the high flying, high scoring offense that we've been accustomed to early on in the year. It's their defense that you know held them, uh, that helped them win the game. Which is when was the last time you'd be able to say something like that? What the late nineties, you know, mid mid to late nineties? Yeah. It's been their defensive. It's always the Leon Lett, Ken Norton Jr., Deion Sanders, Darren yeah, Woodson days. You know, yeah, their defense. You know, as of late, have always been softer than a Twinkie filling. So the Cowboys, they had five sacks, caused four turnovers, and held Washington to three or 14 on third down. And they finally have a defense that can help bail out their offense if they don't put up, you know, 35 points a game. So shout out to the Cowboys, an impressive win uh, on the road in Washington. Let's stay here. Let's stay here with the Cowboys. We don't give it the Cowboys enough love on this show. I know that. For you, it must be painful. (laughs) No, they just listened to the first 45 minutes about us talking about the Chargers and the 49ers and COVID protocol and, you know, all of that. So I had the Cowboys here too in a positive manner. So I want to I want to stay on this. What's different for me right now for these Cowboys and just piggybacking off of what you're talking about is they actually have a three-game lead in their division heading into week 15 of the season. Feels like the division's wrapped up, man. This just feels like it. Uh, they, um, they play all, all the last the last like three or four games are all division games. They're better than every team in their division and as they should be in my opinion. But I feel like they actually have an opportunity here to cruise on home with essentially a guaranteed home playoff game. I don't think they're going to surpass uh, the three teams that precede them in terms of like rankings in the playoffs. They have a shot, but I I don't know 
how likely it is. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm just focusing on getting that home playoff game, right? Like that's the most this. important. I'm going to say this. They get the third seed. Okay. I, 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 I like them for the four seed, which is not a loss, Cowboy Car- fans, right? Cardinals are reeling, man. Injuries are piling up for the Cardinals. I know. Yo, we are the ki- bro, out for the regular season. Yo, we are the – and also Connor, too. He sprained his ankle, and he's been pretty injury-prone in his whole career. Good. Give we me are- Chase Edmonds. I need it for fantasy. Yo, we are the kiss of death. Last week, Every time we bring up a team that does well – they dropped dead the following week. This past week, we the, the last show, we were uh, singing the Cardinals' praises, and look what happened. A couple of weeks prior, the Titans, and guess yeah. what? Look what happened. Derrick Henry. Like, no. we, I'm hopefully, you know, the Patriots are winning it all. <laughs> Throw that see, hex on it right now. Yeah, I like you that. I like I, that. So, Cowboy fans, we're sorry because we're about to sing your praises, but season might tank right here. But, Lou, every time we say this, right, that the Cowboys should. And anytime everybody talks about, it, not just us, like the Cowboys should easily win their division, easily win their division, easily win their division. And it's never easy, right? Like it always comes down to the, the final week of the season. It's it's just it just feels a little bit different right now. And I actually don't think Dak is 100 percent healthy right now. Like I don't. And I know I mean, he's slumping, if you ask me, right, compared to the way he was playing pre-injury. But what's nice is they actually have this buffer to just go ahead and figure that out. Whatever it is, right? Like, you got to rest them a week, rest them a week. Um, if you want to just tote Elliot and Pollard, like, well, you can Pollard's do that. Hurt. Pollard's hurt with that foot whoever it is you want to throw in there, right? Like, there's they're not six and seven scraping for the final seed right now, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're sitting in a an envious spot. But you mentioned it. The defense has made tremendous improvements. And this rookie, Parsons, dude legitimately at this point after what I saw this last weekend is could be in discussions for defensive player of the year, not just defensive rookie of the year. You put him anywhere on this field and he's, he's just a difference maker. Like I'm going to talk about this in a moment because I'm going to call him out in in one of our, our additional segments, but like my eyes in watching that game were like, wow, this guy is all Oh, the statistics don't actually say it outside of like the 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 sexy statistics like sacks and stuff like that. No, nah, he, he, he was not total tackles. Everyone. He was everywhere. He was literally yeah. all over the field. I just think there is a ton to be excited about right now down in Big D. That's it. See, my look at my shock face. Not shocked. Not shocked. I called this out in our in our draft. Uh, I was a Parsons was one of my guy. Uh, I, you got to literally go back and listen to like you, he's he's just not an off the ball linebacker. I I said you have to find ways to implement him in numerous different ways. And kudos to the Dan Quinn and the Dallas defense because when they drafted him, I'm like ah oh, shit, like they're gonna ruin this guy. But they found a way to you know to incorporate his ability to be a pass rusher and a linebacker. So, uh, which is something shocking to think they would be able to, but good for them. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be, I'd be pretty jazzed right now and feel really comfortable that, you know, I'm hosting a home playoff game, which is always something to be exciting, uh, excited about. And, you know, if it's against lesser competition, maybe I see a divisional game, you know, yeah. outside of a wild card game. Yeah. All right. You got another team at all or negative? I do. I, I do. Uh, negative Nancy, uh, Baltimore Ravens. This was 
Last week, again, we talked about uh, the Ravens playing the Cleveland Browns, and this was another game we spoke about where if the Browns defeat the Ravens, this AFC North is going to get a little murky. And guess what just happened? Not only did the Browns defeat the Ravens, but Lamar got hurt too. The one guy they could afford not to lose, yeah. who who is the soul of that team, the life of that team, just got hurt. Now, I know it's not you know season-ending injury or whatever, but it's his ankle. One of the best things that make Lamar Jackson so fantastic is his escapability, his his ability to extend the play, his ability to you know almost be a running back that could that can throw pretty damn well too. So this is troublesome. I'm finally starting to think that all their injuries that started this off season and during the season are that have been piling up. I think they hit a breaking point, and I feel like. They're not going to overcome it. They're literally trying to limp to the playoffs. Now, they, they they probably will still make the playoffs, but how scared are you going to be with this team? Because they have a boatload of injuries on the offensive line, running back position, uh, secondary. Uh, they're good against the run, so they can stop the run. But if you got banged up Lamar, you think that ankle is going to get better as the year goes on, as it gets colder too? Not the way he me? plays football. No, yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. It's not like Aaron Rodgers where he just he has a you know a banged up toe. He, he, I mean, it will hurt him. It's just pain management, but that's not what his game is predicated on. Lamar yeah. Jackson, his game is predicated on that I can feature my arm and feet, and that's why like about five six weeks ago I called him the MVP, which probably not so much now because of they've been slumping. He Lou put the hex on you, dude. I, that's I, what we do. What was it? it was like uh from Bronxdale, Johnny Mushmouth or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, what Frankie Coffee Cakes? No good. Frankie Coffee him, Cakes. I need him yeah. out here. Oh no, Mush, Mush, Mush was the. That's why yeah. they call him Mush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other guy. Great movie, yeah. by the put way. Put me in Such the bathroom. Great... Put me, put me in the bathroom. But Sonny, he says so and so's already in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I'm I'm concerned. I'm not sure if I'm concerned. I'm just if I'm a Ravens uh, fan, I'm just thinking this is not our year, and it's okay because it's it's how it's happened, fluke injuries. Yeah, it's a it's it's tough right now, right? Like especially at the back end of the year, right? If it was early in the year, maybe find ways to overcome it. And I agree, right? Like, and I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. Baltimore just doesn't look right anyway. Like even with Lamar out there, just things weren't. Just think the times come, right? They they found a way to survive a lot of those like big time injuries. To yep. start the season, and like all things NFL, it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. So my freaking out negative is Bills Mafia. You covered this last week. I'm I just going to continue it uh, this week. Two straight. I know this last loss was against the defending Super Bowl champs, but this team just does not look right, dude. Their best running back is their quarterback. That's a problem. Um, they went from literally having their. De- if you recall, what I don't even know if it was six, seven weeks ago, we were like. Pfft, <laughs> number one seed in the AFC, you're going to lock like, who up they the AFC. Like, is, yeah. the, the hardest game was, was this game, the Spots game. <laughs> yeah, and it, dude, they just went from having that division locked up to potentially being on the outside looking Crazy. in with one more loss, which is Crazy. just wild. They are presently the seventh seed in the AFC playoff seeding. Um, not good that your best player, your best running back, and your best quarterback – um, in desperation to try to catch up this game, was forced to run the ball for over 100 yards and banged up his ankle um, pretty badly. Don't even know. I mean, I do expect that he will play, but you just talked about with Lamar, right? Like, 
part of Josh Allen's game is a threat to run. And when he runs, he's a bruiser when he runs. Um, I don't know what you get from him when he just sits in the pocket all day. I don't know when the, that threat's not there to, to nurse that ankle. Uh, but to me, all of this with no running game, um, Stefan Diggs has been just MIA all year when all said and done, when you look at the, the total body, body of work compared to what he did last year. I mean, shit, Josh Allen's favorite target right now is Dawson Knox. Like it's who that's who's fine in the end zone. Um, this all just does not bode well as you're getting into the final stretch of the season. And honestly, at this point, I think the chances are higher that Buffalo misses the playoffs than that they make the playoffs. I'm going to talk the Bills Mafia off that ledge so they don't have to jump through that table. They started off really slow against the Buccaneers, all right? And let's not forget, this is the Buccaneers, one of the best teams in the NFL. But they could have won that game at the end. I personally think, I think when Josh Allen was was running to the left-hand side, I think he got in for a touchdown, but they had to settle for the game-tying field goal. I'm not sure why they didn't challenge it. I'm not sure if they could have challenged it because it was under two minutes or what have you, but this team still fights and it's still scrappy and still well coached. Um, I just think they they played a better better team right uh, this past weekend. Yeah, but the slow starts, man. Like they, yeah, no, they'll, they they'll can't kill be you. routine. You know, they'll kill you every yeah. time against yeah. a Tom Brady and like the, the road just doesn't get any easier, right? And the Josh Allen injury, whether he plays or not, is is a uh, a scary thing. But yeah. what I do like about Buffalo is they the the makeup of the team mimics the makeup of their fan base and their city. They're gritty, they're fighters, they're they're nasty. Yeah. And um I don't expect that to go away. I expect them to fight tooth and nail. I'm just I dude, that that race in the AFC right now is tough. It's, it's bonkers. Really, really tough, man. Like it's what's crazy is you have three people, three teams in the AFC that are eliminated, and you only actually have one in the NFC that is mathematically eliminated. But that competition that we're talking about, right? Those five or seven teams that are competing for that, those last mm-hmm. two essentially playoffs um, spots in the AFC, they carry winning records. Yep. In the NFC, they carry losing records. So yep. it's just a difference in competition. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I but hear. it's. But it's the same scenario. Like the race is just so tight. Like, dude, this this playoffs is coming down to tiebreakers, not win loss records. Like it's kind of come to tiebreakers. It's gonna be crazy. It's it's wild. All right. So we're we're running mad long tonight, and I love that- it because it means we're having a lot of fun. And I, you know, I don't I don't hope you don't mind, but I love these conversations. Yeah, I love course. I love where we live because we hear those trains in the background. I hear it come by your house, and I know that it's coming <laughs> to my house anytime. Um, so let's get into some offensive defensive players of the week. You know, I know you run a tighter ship. I'm a little bit loose. I'll be tight tonight just for the the interest of time because I want to leave ample time to get into yep. um, some of our other segments. So do you want to you want to start I'll, offensive? I'll start, and I I don't know if you had this individual because I feel like. Once again, people forget about Thursday night games. But how about Delvin Cook versus the Pittsburgh oh Steelers? My God, dude. 27 God. carries, 205 yards, 7.6 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. Uh, with a bum shoulder, by the way. A separated shoulder that yeah. said could be like four weeks. And there he was. And it wasn't a week against, and a half later. No, it wasn't against 
you know, a team with the Jets or Steelers anything. defense. Yeah, yeah they're, Steelers they're defense. decent. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, listen, I had Dalvin Cook number one too. Um. So I'll go to my number two. So I have George Kittle, thirteen for one. This is the second week in a row he's been on my list, but I don't think you can argue it as a tight end, thirteen for one fifty-one in a TD. And it's like I said earlier, it's not just the stat line. It's the type of catches that he makes. He's just gritty. He's hard to bring down, super physical, but then yet he'll go out there and make this wide receiver-esque, super athletic catch. And you're like, this dude's 6'5", like 245 pounds. Like he shouldn't be able to do that, especially when you know what I know about how I see him block defensive mm-hmm. ends and outside linebackers on a regular basis like no individual should be this gifted um and he's gifted like he you know is he kyle pitts athletic like no but when you combine everything that he does um he's a different player man and when he and i hate saying this especially because he plays on my team when healthy like someone please try to argue with me that he's not the best tight end in football Uh, Because he's the most complete and I can even put it out there statistically in terms of most games with over X number of yards, most games with over X number of catches. But he's in company that Travis Kelsey name doesn't even appear close to, you know, like Shannon Sharp's name doesn't appear close to like you're getting into Kellen Winslow senior. You're getting and then some fluke people that have made it there along the way. Like it's he's different. He's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I got another offensive player. Um, and I was torn between uh, Josh Allen and another quarterback because Josh Allen had a great game too. Great game. But I'm going to tell you why I picked this other quarterback instead. A.A. Ron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah, I have to. He was 29 out of 37, 341 yards, and this is why I picked him. A whopping 11.8 uh, yards per attempt. That Why that's so huge? When you have eight yards, eight to nine, yards per attempt is a winning recipe. He bested that by two to three yards extra. Meaning yeah. he was airing at the ball. He had four touchdowns and all on that little fractured little toe that went wee, wee, wee all the way home too. So <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, that 11.8 yards per attempt. Woo. Yeah. It, I mean, even that 141.1 rating was like next level yeah. dude. And he's different. Like we, we know that. Um, so you've taken both of my some of my guys. I too had Josh Allen, who had you can an awesome start game. Defense next. Um, I'm gonna th- I'm just gonna throw a name and a stat line out there. Uh, Rashad Penny, 16 yeah. from 137 and two TDs. Like you know, a name that you haven't heard at all this year, and just came out and and balled in a, an opportune moment. So I'll I'll give, although it pains me to give any Seahawk love, I'll give Rashad Penny some love. But yeah. let me start defense then. Yes, you can go defense, Lou. When do I break out the ball? We got team, ladies and gentlemen, we got team defense coming up right now. Uh, Ward here. We sure do. Um, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs defense in this particular game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Four sacks, 11 QB hits, four fumble recoveries, a pick, and a defensive touchdown. That actually occurred on the first carry of scrimmage from Josh Jacobs after I spent an entire fantasy episode saying how Josh Jacobs was going to go off this week. So I remember this very well um, when it happened. Um, But I got to be honest with you, Lou, like there wasn't too many 
standout individuals on the defensive side of the ball this week. This was a little hard, uh, tougher to, to scrounge. Like, there's going to be some obvious names. You're going to name one of them. Um, but so that's why I led with a team. And for me, it was the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Because I'm a gentleman, I will leave uh, that uh, individual for you to name him. I'm probably going to pick someone that you didn't have on your list because it's a fun stat line. Randy Gregory, defensive end, Dallas Cowboys. One tackle, one sack, one interception, and one uh, forced fumble. He basically had everything you know you have in that stat sheet. That was a pretty fun, uh, uh, you know, fun uh, stat line right there. So Randy Gregory, I want to leave some me on the bone for you there, Weston, because I know who you're going with. No, I'm not going with who you think I'm going with. Um, so I'm gonna. Whoever you're saying that now, I'm gonna say that's who you, I thought you were going with. By the way, but go ahead. All right, just. So I keep my ball where I keep my ball because I'm going with a second team defensive performance for the week. And I'm I knew it. Out. I knew it. I knew it. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans defense. Dude, they allowed. I know who they played. I get all of that. But this is still the NFL. They allowed eight yards rushing. Eight for the entire game. A total of 229 yards. They sacked the quarterback three times. They had nine passes defensed, six quarterback hits, four picks. And the most important stat of all is they gave up zero points, which in this day in NFL is really hard to do because even the worst teams will find a way to at least kick a field goal to say that they didn't get goose egged in a game and the Tennessee Titans goose egged a division rival in the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. Shout out to Tennessee. Um, <clears throat> I got one more. Aaron yeah. Donald. I, I, listen, I, I don't get that. I know when he's on my list to, too, but I'm going to talk about it. When you, when you talk to, when you talk to me about people who have two sacks, no, I'm sorry. I don't care about two sack people. I don't get out of bed for anything less than three sacks. And that kind of has, uh, there's no window there, people, by the way. I'm not trying to be perverted or anything like that. So it's So Aaron Donald <laughs> had five tackles, three sacks, three tackles for a loss, and a pass defense. Uh, he basically, you know, manhandled that offensive line of the Arizona Cardinals. He did. And I have him on my list, too. And I don't think that's who you think I was going to take. I think you would think I was going to go Bosa, two-sack game. I feel like you're two-sack innuendo was a, a jab at me on who you thought I was really going to go with. <laughs> but here's my problem with Donald's performance is you said you don't get out of bed for anything less than three sacks. That third sack should have never have happened. That play was so rushed on the final play of the game. There was so much discombobulation. The offensive line barely moved, barely moved on that play. And Donald took advantage of it. And you know what? The sack still counts. It is what it is. I had him on my list because of that third sack, but I'm going to take well, a jab and say well, that you, like, you know what? His, his first sack should account for asterisks two. Asterisks on that third sack. His first sack should account for two. He basically picked up a, a 300 pound guy and hugged Kyler yeah, Murray. It was with impressive. That yeah. So it was impressive. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> I'll give you that. All right. So let's proceed. What are you. What stands out to you this coming week, um, whether it's a game, a matchup? I have a few. I think there's some pretty interesting matchups this week. I don't want to be a homer, so I'll go with uh, Colts versus New England. These two teams are built 
I feel like almost alike. Yeah. There's sturdy defense, albeit New England's is better, efficient quarterback play, and a powerful rushing attack. If New England wants a first round bye, they need to win this game to hold up the Chiefs. But the Colts are just trying to stay in that playoff hunt. Uh, so it just sucks for Indy, though, how they start off so slow. They had a brutal schedule, some injuries in the beginning of the year. They, they're literally becoming that team that no AFC team wants to see them in the playoffs because of their rushing attack and their front seven to stop the rush, too. They're a little weak in the back end, but uh, albeit no one wants to see the Colts in the playoffs, and New England's going to try to do their best to do that. Yeah, I, I had this game as number two on my list, um, and only like I agree, right? Like these teams seem to be like mirror images images of each other. They both want to run the football, they both want to play defense, and you just talked about everything um, that I was going to say as well in terms of like the importance of the game, what New England's playing for, what Indianapolis is playing for. Uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be a good game, and I think Bill Belichick's going to do everything in his power to to make Carson Wentz beat him, and not it be Jonathan Taylor. And can they do that? And I honestly think they will. Uh, but we'll talk about that in, uh, in in short order here. So me, you didn't want to be a homer. I'll take the low hanging fruit. I have the Chiefs Chargers tomorrow night. Uh, I think this is a huge game. I'm I'm less optimistic about the outcome given Rashawn Slater is not playing. Yeah, it's Chris uh, Jones, though. The true. Um, the, very true. But I'm also hearing about like Eckler, Derwin, Asante are all game time decisions. Want to see how Shoot they work out. And those Shoot things are weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally give them whatever they need to to get them out on the field. Um, but it listen, it's, th- it's a Thursday night game. It's the only game in town. On paper, it's a tremendous matchup. Uh, Kansas City is going to look for revenge after they lost to L.A. earlier in the year. Um, but it's just a big division game. Um, Chargers won two straight. Chiefs have been on a tear. And this is just an important game, not just for the division, but for playoff seating in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lou, here, but if if L.A. wins this game, they jump to number one in the AFC West due to tiebreaker, do they not? Yep. That's so that's correct. You know, there's a, there's a lot on the line here. So I, I think this tomorrow night's a really important game. It just sucks that it's a Thursday night game because I hate Thursday Short night games. Short weeks suck, they're, they're always sloppy. Yep. Uh, not a fan. But, yeah, that was my other game. I'm not going to repeat the sentiment you just said. So, uh, I obviously, as an L.A. fan, I want the Chargers to win because I love chaos, Weston. So, by yeah. them winning would bring on the chaos. Just uh, I like a wrinkle chain. and everything. Exactly. So, I hope L.A. wins, but we'll have to see, wait and see in our pickums. Yep. Um, I don't have another one. Uh, the only other one I'll throw a caveat in there is like Packers Ravens. And to me, this is just like, Hey, does Lamar play? And does like the Baltimore offense get back on track or does green Bay just continue to roll and pick up a, yeah. I don't want to call it a cheap healthy, victory. Yeah, but a cheap victory. Would, yeah. I'm with you. If Lamar was healthy and they both, and they were rolling, but totally different. It lost, the luster. it lost its luster. All right. So let's get into the pickums. Yep. Um, so last week you were ten and four. Ooh. I was nine and five. Ooh, I picked up a game because there's only a couple of game there's only a couple of weeks left. Yeah. So that puts you on the season 76, 50 and one. It's pretty damn good. I, I'm at it is pretty good. I'm at 71, 55, and one, which is not okay. bad either. Not it just bad. doesn't look as good as 76. Less than worst case scenario, you're gonna finish second, bro. So. 
Silver looks good on you. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, motherfucker. <laughs> Let me get my notebook out here for a second. You, you taking notes? <laughs> no, I gotta, I gotta write down our picks, bro. No, this no, is how no. I'm doing week over I'm week. Messing. What are we in week fifteen, dude? Week let me 15. tell you, like what an eye-opening process this is where i can just literally circle and cross out based on like what i write versus mm-hmm. i can't believe i i waited like six weeks to do this all right thursday night chiefs um, bolts going chiefs the loss of slater i think is a big a bigger more impactful loss than of chris jones because of the replacement of slater um it's hard to beat divisional rival twice especially the caliber of uh, the kansas city chiefs but even though I think LA is going to lose tomorrow, I think this could possibly be best for them because they're not full strength, losing, not having Slater out there and possibly some other players. They get to the playoffs and those players are healthy to play the Chiefs in, in like one of the rounds. It could be interesting to, to see what happens then if they're a more uh, full strength uh, Chargers team when they play the Chiefs in the playoffs, if they have that chance. So it could be better in the long run. I got Chiefs too. I just think the the Rashawn Slater thing is, Huge. and I hate to chalk it up to like one player making a difference, but that's going to be too much. It's to not overcome. just it's not just one player. I was talking to a friend of ours who's a Chiefs fan, and uh, I was talking about the game, and he was basically saying we're not going to get any pressure on the left hand side. Uh, we're going to have to you know try to get some pressure on the right hand side. So like now that pressure is coming from everywhere. Exactly. So. Like that was his thought process. Like we're not going to touch you on the left. So, but now that's not that doesn't hold any water. No. Um. Yeah. So I, I'm Chiefs too. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, I want to pick the Chargers here. I just for everything that you just said, and I think the Rashawn Slater is too much. And I think if any of those combination of three players, if it's Derwin who's out, who's Asante's out, or even Eckler that's out, just another another chink in the armor, and it's not mm-hmm. going to bode well. So, yep. uh, tough to overcome. All right, Saturday, two Saturday games this week. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. Keep in mind, Cleveland Browns have 14 players on the co- reserve COVID list right yeah, now. Yeah, I think two of their cheerleaders, too. I'm probably going to say um, Las Vegas Raiders there. Yeah, so I'm I'm saying the Raiders, too, just because I think that if it's Mayfield and a handful of others, it's just it's a lot, man. There's just a lot. when I have to imagine that these locker rooms are scrambling. You're piecing together game plans on last minute. It's based distraction. On who's available. Yeah, it's... Um, and it just feels like the Raiders aren't dealing with this right now. So if that's the case, I think it's an opportunity to come in and beat a good team. Hey, is it crazy going into a game? We're talking about the Raiders of the least distracted <laughs> team. <of both> teams. <laughs> you saw Arnett got signed. Really? By who? The Dolphins. Jesus. Oh, okay. I guess gun permits are allowed in Miami as well. <laughs> um, all right. Saturday matchup. Pat's Colts. Who you got? Gotta go New England. Uh, both have good rushing in Indy. In Indy, guy going to England. Uh, I just think their defense is better. Uh, and Mac Jones has been playing better when it comes to you know throwing it. Don't I don't want to hear about that Buffalo game that was calculated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so 50 mile an hour. Wins, you you like. can you, you can throw on, on the Colts, and I'm gonna say New England. I'm gonna say Indy. Um, two I hope reasons. you're right. I hope you're right. Me too. I just feel like. New England's been on this tear. What is it? Seven straight, eight straight, whatever it is at this point in time. Like something's got to give. This feels like the team that could potentially give against 
Um, I still think no matter what, Indy's so going to try like, to establish a run. This is like your your roulette theory. Like, exactly, it's got, right? It's like It's, it's got to land on this number eventually, <laughs> right? Like Just keep putting on 10. Something will take place. Uh, I also need to catch up on a game for you, um, and I'm just – just intuition here. I just feel like – I think Indy's got a shot, right? Okay. So oh, I'm I mean, of course they have more than a shot, but uh, – I'm going Indy. All right, so let's get into the Sunday matchups. Carolina at Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, I got I got the Bills here too. You got Arizona on the road against Detroit. Arizona. Me as well. You sure you don't want to go with your Detroit lines? No, I, I listen. I accomplished what I need to accomplish. We're moving on. That was, uh, that was the quickest on and off bandwagon fan. No, no, I'm joking, I'm dude. Joking. Those were legitimate arguments. <laughs> and Rich White, if you are listening, you called it out. But sound logic, right? Like, yo, it's Thanksgiving. They got to do it. Blah blah blah. Like, <laughs> it just has to. And they almost won that game. Like, literally with three seconds left, they lost that game. Right? Like, so I wasn't far off. But uh, all right, J E T S Jets 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 at Dolphins. Dolphins. All right, so you got the Finns. I am taking the Finns as well. Dallas at G-Man. I'll take uh, Dallas to beat the long neck of uh, Glennon. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it be just like typical New York Giant football to win this game, though? Yeah. Um, But I have the Cowboys as well here. Washington football team at the Philadelphia Eagles. This one's tough because Jalen Hurts is apparently still banged up, even off a bye. And so is Tyler Heineke. Uh, I'm probably going to say the Eagles because you have both Heineke and McLaurin hurt. And so you got some injuries on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm probably going to say the Eagles. Come on, bye. I'm saying Eagles too. I'm saying a little bit more confidently than you, regardless of the the quarterback situation, because I think. uh, If Minshew plays. Yeah, Minshew. Yeah, like he still played well la- the um, two weeks ago, but I think eighteen players on COVID right now for Washington is just like dude, the only healthy defensive lineman that they have that does has not on the COVID reserve list is Deron Payne, right? Like that's a strength of, supposed to be a strength of this team, and now that is an immediate week. Yeah. Uh, look to look for Philadelphia to try to run the football as much as they possibly. All right, I got I got Eagles too. So Titans at Steelers. You can go first on this one. Let me think. Unless you you're thinking because this one's close. I just feel like the Steelers are due for a win and the Titans are due. Yeah, for so a I'm, I am going steel curtain on this one because it's a home game for the Steelers, and I feel like they're. It'd be so, it would be so they have extra time too because they yep. played on Thursday night. I'm yeah. gonna go. They're I'm, due for they're due for a dub. I'm going yeah. Steelers. It has no. It's just it just would be such Steelers. It's just the do. laws of the NFL. Every once in a while. Yeah, you're going Steelers too. Yeah, although I kind of secretly. I hope this game is a bloodbath because we have the Tennessee we have Tennessee on a short week on Thursday following <laughs> week. Just hope like it's a massacre. All right. The Super Bowl, Houston Texans versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm gonna say it's a in tie. Jacksonville. In I'm Jacksonville. Say it's a tie. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say Houston. That team is messed up. You just came out with uh that team that, that, Myers kicking the ex kicker in the leg, like what? I don't. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna. I'm 
damn. Because the, the quarterback of Houston played pretty well. You're over 300 passing yards this past week. Davis, was it Mills? Davis yeah. Mills? Yeah. Uh, I was going Texans too, just because I think there's just too much turmoil in Jacksonville. The only thing that gives me a little pause is like they did just get shut out. You know, like and that's like a, a sour taste, but I don't think they have. I don't, don't think they have no, any no, leadership. Don't, don't I don't think they have any. No, I don't think they have any leadership. I don't believe in it. Like I don't think they have any leadership um, on the field and like players and and what have you. All right, here's an interesting game right now. More interesting based on the last few weeks, but the Bengals at the Broncos. Bengals are really reeling. And the Broncos are playing well, running the football real well, at least. Give me the give me the Broncos. Uh, the, their secondary matches up well against what the Bengals try to do. Yeah, I got, I got the Broncos too because I just think their defense is they just match up well. Yeah, uh, superior to what San Francisco just put out on the field, and I think the blueprints out there uh, on how to slow some things down. Um, and I just feel like. <laughs> Denver is going to be able to run the ball, especially if Trey Hendrickson is out. If yeah. he continues to be out and this is a long-term thing, like that's going to be a little bit of an issue. So I, I like the Broncos too. Falcons at 49ers. Niners. Falcons are not a good team. So. Oh, come on. I, There's no, no way I you're was, picking the Falcons. I was thinking about it just because uh, like, every just... time I pick against the 49ers, they win. <laughs> Um, but I also know that Atlanta is on one of those like seven teams that they have to look out for from like a COVID perspective. So that can throw some unexpected wrinkles over the next few days. Um, I have to pick the 49ers here home game. Like they have yeah. to win this football game. Have to. All right. Seahawks at Rams. Rams. Hold on. Oh, that was quick. I forgot. That was Rams way the... too quick. Dude. <laughs> the West is weird, bro. It's really weird out here. But they usually beat the Seahawks, the Rams. Am I right when I think of that? I feel like they usually beat the Seahawks. <sighs> in in LA. In LA. Man, because the, the Rams are one of the teams that got hit with COVID, too. I'm gonna go Seahawks. Yeah, I'm Seahawks. That's that's exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Seahawks. I just feel like the Seahawks do this right. Like when you count them out, like they're just gonna go on this run. They've been playing I think a little bit. I think the Rams are feeling real good about themselves, beating Arizona. Uh, yeah. I'm just just yeah. going Seahawks. Packers. Packers at Ravens. Packers. Not yeah, Packers. Yeah, I think this is gonna be. I think this is pack all day too. Saints at Buccaneers. That's a Sunday night game. No Bucks. I'm Bucks too, unfortunately. Um, not enough weeks here for us to be different and we pull apart from you. Vikings at the Bears Monday night. The Bears. I'm gonna give you a bone here. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for you. I'll take the Bears. Really, you want the? I was thinking about it, but no. Kirk, I'll, Kirk, okay, I'll take ahead. the fight. I'll, Kirk Cousins sucks on Monday night. <laughs> not, not, not only that, he's actually been pretty damn bad against uh, the Bears too in, in Chicago. Right. I'm just so. going to take the Vikings because you're willing to throw out a, a different opinion here. So I'm, yeah, I'm just going to go polar opposite of you and hope that I get a chance to at least get. So where were we different? I think two games only. 
I have Indy, you have Pats, you got mm-hmm. Bears, I got Vikings. That's it. All right, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, see how good or or poorly we do. With which brings us to what we've all been waiting for, Lou. Let's get into our fantasy football advice. Real quick, uh, who was the player? After, I didn't. There was a player I alluded to on our last show that I did not share because it was before the waiver pickup. Text you the next day. Who was that player? Do you remember? Uh, yes. Um, Osborne, the wide yes. receiver from Minnesota. Yes. Got him in our league, and all he yes, did was did. put up. And all he did is put up nineteen po- uh, 15 points, points against me. Yeah, asshole. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> but I also said I think uh, last week Palmer too. So I was I was pretty dead on with uh, with some of my uh, some of my picks. You sure were. So let's go ahead. Since you're feeling so confident in yourself right now, we're in the playoffs here for fantasy football. For if you have a, a competent commissioner, uh, you should be in week one of your playoffs. I'm really furious, Lou, and my one team that I finished first in the regular season and now scored like every team by like 300 plus points for the season, like my team stack. They do a first round buy. I hate first round buys. I'm like projected to do like 180 this week. Yeah. And watch, they'll go off, and then I'll put up 80 next week in yep. my, my first round of the playoffs. I hate the first round by more than anything. What makes it even more scary is I'm on a nine-game win streak, so like I'm I'm just poised to lose. And this is the league that I'm going for a three-peat in. Uh, this is the league that sponsored one of our shows, the Wise Guys Fantasy Football uh, League that we, have the, we showed the belt for during one of our shows. So I'll let you go first. Just keep in mind, you know, Browns, Rams, yep, yep. Washington football team, all ailing uh, right now from a, a, a player perspective. So who you got? Who's, who's uh, number one on your mind? So we talked about Lamar being banged up, Josh Allen being banged up. Huge. Those are huge uh, players that if they can't go this weekend, you're going to need to put someone in there. So and if you need a quarterback, I'm going to say do like Lloyd Christmas this week and pick him up. Taysom Hill. <laughs> Taysom, he doesn't look good when he plays, but damn, he no. puts up he puts up points. The last two weeks, he's averaged twenty five points because he gets the rushing yards, he gets just enough passing yards, and he gets those he, he accumulates touchdowns. Doesn't look good, but you don't have to look good in fantasy. Tough matchup though, man, because what he does really well is he rushes the football and gets into yeah, the end they, zone, they, and he's got the number one rush defense that he's facing. Yeah, but they got week. Kamara too. I'm t- yeah. I, I still think. I, I I get it, but I still think he's gonna get his. I'll save my question for you on Sunday when we go on with Jason, and it's okay. like, because I I have Taysom in a league, um, but I'm torn between playing him and my quarterback that has essentially got me here. Uh, but I agree, I, I I do think that Taysom is is an attractive play because even in the game that he threw four interceptions, he still almost gave 30 fantasy points because yep. he still threw two touchdowns, ran for two touchdowns. Like, you know what I mean? Like ran for a hundred yards, like still does mm-hmm. uh, a lot of cool things. So I have one that's a little outside the box, but I've been saying his name week after week after week. This might be the fourth week in a row that I've been saying this person's name and it's AJ Dillon. He's been out-touching and out-playing Aaron Jones, specifically from a running perspective. I know conventional wisdom and what you're going to say, Lou, is like, 
Baltimore's been tough against the run as of late. Mm-hmm. And you're actually right. They're number one overall against the run over the last four weeks of the NFL schedule. You're not wrong. But Baltimore is going to be so focused on how to stop Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, which to me always says that's going to open up run- lanes for the running back. It's December, and running the ball is imperative. From a running perspective, A.J. Dillon is outperforming Aaron Jones, and it's actually not even as close as you think it would be. If you are in a tight running back bind and this man is on your bench, you are playing him this week. Pick him up. All right. I Pick have, him uh, up. <laughs> news came out earlier today about DeAndre Hopkins uh, being shelved for this game and props the rest of the season. Go get A.J. Green. Uh, he had over he played pretty yards. well last week. Yeah, uh, he had over 100 yards uh, last week. And he's been he's been serviceable, and that's with, you know, uh, you know Hopkins being in and out of the lineup. Uh, not only that, that's Kyler Murray being in and out of the lineup. So, you know, A.J. Green has been serviceable. Now they're also probably down James Conner. So who else is really going to get this ball? You got Ertz, A.J. Green. Sneaky play be uh, – their, their rookie, was it Moore? Rond- uh, Rondell Moore, yeah. Yeah, a picture of them doing maybe a little Debo type action there too. Kids of talent. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but A.J. Green. All right. Against Detroit. Yep. I, I'm staying in the running back world, and I'm going with uh, De- Donta Foreman. I, I know for the last few weeks it's been like teetering on this, like, is it Foreman? Is it Hilliard? Like, what's the deal? But Foreman's averaging over 90 yards from scrimmage the last two games. Feels like he's just getting the nod over Hilliard. Finally found the end zone last week. Uh, He just looks and feels like the guy right now. And we talked about this earlier in the show when I was joking in in jest about Tannehill and talking about having to establish the run. Uh, Tennessee against the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to have to establish the run. They're just going to have to. So I expect at least 15 carries from Foreman this weekend. Okay, I got one more too. Yeah, I got a third too. Okay, cool. Um, in one of my leagues, I I literally stream tight ends. I don't have a tight end really. Uh, and this week, I'm streaming uh, Ricky Seals Jones for the mere fact the Eagles are awful against tight ends. They literally give up the most receptions and touchdowns. So whenever you see the Eagles on on the schedule, pick up that tight end on the opposing team. Ricky Seals Jones. He's been in the league for a while, man. I just he's got the one of the best football names, too. Uh my my third guy here. Uh, I know I've been in st- spending some time in running back land, but I'm I'm tapping Brandon Ayuk right now. Uh, I know some people have you have spent some some high draft uh collateral on this individual. I probably got frustrated halfway through the season, but you know, for the last four weeks, he's averaging over eight plus targets. Uh, he's top 60 plus yards. Um, I think like five out of the last like seven weeks. And to me, this is really about, so the trajectory is up and to the right. And this is about a matchup as well. So the Falcons um, over the last month of football have allowed the most targets and receptions to wide receivers in the entire NFL. Um, And I think you see that, that trend continue in a, in a must win game for the 49ers. I think you're stressing about this. I had a game way too much. It's must win, dude. It's must win. Because all let me tell you why win, it's must win. No, but it's must win you because feel, you feel confident though. I do feel I 
I feel good. I don't feel confident. Um, it's must win because you win this game. When you think about the the people that are beneath you, and the most obvious names are going to be the Minnesota Vikings, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Atlanta Falcons, based on record. So you now hold the head to head tiebreaker yep. over three teams that aren't in your division, mm-hmm. where that washes out. Like that's a big deal. You know yep. that that makes like a loss to Tennessee not as consequential. Yep. Even makes a loss at the end of the season to LA not as consequential. Yep. All right. Lou, that wraps us that wraps us up. Uh, again, uh recapping week 14 of the NFL season as we head into week 15. Had a lot of fun tonight. This might be one of our longest shows uh ever. So I'm probably gonna have to go apologize to my wife by the time I get to bed and wake her up as I'm crawling in. Uh, but Lou, as I always rely on you, which was really weird when we were doing Jason's fantasy show over the weekend when I had to like remember what <laughs> some of our handles are. So like I never have to do this. Uh, tell everybody where they can find us, how they can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF pod NFL. And on YouTube at we're talking football, wherever you find us, please hit the like, please hit the subscribe. We appreciate all of y'all listening um, and hope you enjoy week 15 of the NFL season. Lou, we'll wrap soon. Adios.